All right. Well, welcome to our show again. One man's opinion today. It's March third, twenty twenty-four. I'm Dr. Paul Murata, one of your co-hosts. I'm Brendan Cola Franceschi. Our job is to, over the next ten minutes, give you a few little tidbits of what's happening in the world around us in certain categories, namely the category of finance, uh, medical and health-related activities sports and other topics including a special interest today our special guest we have a special guest and stay tuned for that again once you've listened if you could like share or subscribe that would be much appreciated you could uh, find us on uh, various entities including amazon amazon music spotify youtube and if you can't use your hands you just ask alexa to play one man's opinion today Okay, we're going to move into the world of finance. Uh, one of the things that's caught my eye and many others who pay attention to the stock markets are that they are seemingly hitting all-time highs, many of the global markets. I suppose this signals a lot of volatility, both up and down. B. Cola, can you help us understand volatility and what it means for those that are investing in the stock market? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, volatility, uh, plain and simply, is uh, the measure of uh, one person's risk tolerance when it comes to investing. Tolerance. And that means if you're a high risk player, you should be in this volatile market or is it time as a low risker to sit on the sidelines? Yeah. So if you're, if you are a high risk investor, uh, you should be able to handle the up and down volatility and a widespread of it. If you're a lower risk investor, you don't handle volatility all that well. And so with these broad swings up and down, especially now that they're so high, is this a good time to get in the market or will it cool off? Um, I think it's always a good time to get into the market if you're a long-term investor. You shouldn't be swayed by um, prices where they are. Uh, you know, they talk about, well, things are kind of frothy on, say, the NASDAQ, for instance, because valuations are so high. But if you have a long-term time horizon, um, you should always be buying and adding to your to your portfolio uh, to help build wealth. So that there you have it. Uh, day traders, we're not interested. Long-term traders, you'll probably withstand these ups and downs. So, Dr. P, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the rumors that that circle around many conversation circles, and and mainly that is sort of how Canada has a free healthcare system. Can you enlighten our, our listeners on, on free healthcare in Canada? You're the finance guy, you know there's no free lunches. Um, it's a misnomer, of course, that it's free, and then individuals say, well, you know, I pay my taxes, therefore that's where the money's coming from. Reality is, folks, the Canadian healthcare system is in jeopardy, mostly because it's underfunded. Your tax dollars do not cover the healthcare expense. In fact, uh, far from it. Uh, of all your of the average tax take uh, from the government, only 25% of it goes to healthcare. Uh, on average, if we broke this down to individuals, you're probably paying every individual in Canada about $6,000 a year goes towards healthcare. However, the government is spending about $9,000 per person per year. So there's a 30 odd percent short or 50% shortfall year over year, hence why the healthcare system is underfunded and, and remains in jeopardy. So no, healthcare is not free. We are introducing various aspects of privatization 
for better or for worse, but I guess time will tell. But it is a misnomer. Our American colleagues think that it's free. It definitely is not. Uh, in fact, it's very costly to everybody. So the fact that it's not free, uh, where, do we, where do we go from here? Do they, are they going to ask us for more money? Or do we go out on our own, purchase insurance? Well, there's various things you can do. One is uh, privatization. There are uh, private medical facilities out there that you could subscribe to and become partners with and take away from the public system. Obviously, there could be more money put into the system. But as you know, government-run agencies are typically inefficient. So throwing money at a problem typically doesn't fix the problem. Uh, there are, there, this is why we're, we're challenged. It's not all a money thing. And as our population ages and costs more money, uh, it's going to be very difficult to the point where we probably will be in a two-tiered system. We already are to a certain extent, but it'll probably be much more formalized over the next several years, decades to come. So in your opinion, will the privatization overtake the public side? In, in my country? opinion, there's definitely a role for privatized medicine, and um, it does take away or open spots for the public system. The big caveat to this is, is the quality of care in the public side going to be less so than the private side? And that would be the fear that you'd have to mitigate against if you move forward in those two systems. But I do believe that that's where we should be, and that's where we're getting to. I did also hear on the news about uh, Rory McIlroy. Maybe a rumor, most likely a rumor, but get your opinion on this live tour versus the PGA tour, where Rory stands and, and maybe where this is all heading. Yeah, I love this one. Um, I was, uh, I'm a big fan of the live actually. I, uh, I like it. I think it's a little more laid back and uh, it seems like fun. The golf quality is, is not that great on the live uh um, well they're all the top tour players it's got to be great yeah i i think uh, there's 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 a certain aspect to i've already been paid so my performance isn't really going to matter i think that is a true uh take from a lot of people they all get to wear short pants they all get to wear their shorts that's true yeah but the 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 rumor and and what we we've heard or read out there is that roy mcelroy is going to sign a deal with live for nine hundred and fifty million dollars another billion dollar golfer yeah so I, I this all stems from uh what i find is funny is that roy mcelroy was so dead set against live golf and he was kind of uh, the puppet so to speak for for the pga right yeah he was a spokesman speaking strongly against live i actually don't know if he will do this live i think it's more rumor than fact I do think these two tours are heading towards a single globalized globalization of the professional golfer. When and how that happens and what it looks like, I think, is yet to be seen. But I think Rory is probably helping champion a single tour um, globally. No, no, I agree. And the the fact that he backpedaled huge when when John Rahm went over to the Live, and, and John Rahm said he would never go to the live, and, well, 450 million reasons told him to go. Uh, but I, I think Rory does the same uh, just because of how vocal he's been and how much he's changed uh, his stance on live golf. Time will tell. Another uh, interesting tidbit came out about, particularly in Ontario, the online gambling advertisements. They banned celebrities from being on these ads. Uh, B. Cola, what's your opinion on this? Is this the right way to go? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Like if you if you can't put a cigarette pack in a convenience store on prominent display, how how can you have Wayne Gretzky tell you to gamble? I find it uh, it's not the celebrity I think that's making people gamble. It's the plethora and the twenty four seven in your face and on your device and every commercial that is pushing pushing gamblers, particularly to young influential minds. Uh, whether there's a celebrity there or not, I don't think that changes this this wave that's coming through. Well, celebrity marketing has been going on for what, fifty years, sixty yeah. years. It's uh, it's proven effective, and I, I think the gambling is is just riding the train. Well, I hope they start with just banning celebrities, and then maybe banning the number of advertisements. You can't watch a football game without watching about thirty-seven online oh, gambling commercials. Yeah. I I want to see them reintroduce the uh, OLG Know Your Limit Play Within It commercials. <laughs> You don't get any of those anymore, right? They don't no, care. The limit's out the window. This gambling is on your phone 24-7 in your house. You don't have to go to a facility to do the gambling, and that's what I think is uh, probably financially ruining a lot of young people. Yeah, I, I think it's going to cause a lot of problems. Uh, my opinion is, is gambling is going to cause a lot of marital problems, uh, a lot of financial problems, and because people won't have any impetus to stop. If, if you go to a casino... And you lose your 500 bucks you came with. Well, you start the car and you go home. When you're on the phone, you can pull your credit card and start with a fresh 500. That's right? right. Well, Dr. P, it's uh, time in the show on our third episode. Here it is. I'm very excited about that we talked about having a special guest. And, and today is the day. Today is the day. All right. And uh, switching gears, we are welcoming our special guest, Dr. Glenn Armstrong, who's a veterinarian, who has a wealth of knowledge in the field of veterinary medicine, as well as interest in other things that affect animals like marijuana. Dr. Armstrong, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you very much for having me, B. Cola and P. Murata. I uh, just wanted to discuss a couple of theories that I've been happy with for the rest of most of my life. Uh, first one is, for every action, there is an opposite and equal reaction. That would be Newton's third law. And then the theory of unintended consequences that it pertains to legislation. Attention on the Liberal government's legalization of marijuana was they're going to pass a smart law that restricts marijuana that better protect our children while preventing millions of dollars going in the pockets of organized crime. Unfortunately, an intended or unintended consequences that... Uh, one of the unintended consequences was we were not taking care of our vulnerable uh, members of society, one being children and the other one being dogs. Since the legalization of marijuana in Canada, there's been a two and a half times increase uh, in the number of children that are presented to uh, hospitals with marijuana intoxication. And, and since the legalization of cannabis edibles, there has been a 448-time increase in phone calls to the pet poison line. Dogs, dogs have a, a, a larger number of cannabinoid receptors in the human brain and a penchant for eating things that they aren't supposed to. And since legalization of edibles, the problem has become much worse. Are we seeing a lot of high dogs? Yes, we're seeing a significant more uh, significant highland number of dogs that are intoxicated due to marijuana. What do we do with this? How dangerous is it? It's toxic, it's hard on the animal, but the chances of death are low. How much, uh, how much would the dog have to consume? 
not very much with the uh, concentration of the new edibles and, and, and hashies. So a small amount that would make a person high would make a dog much, much higher. All right. Well, there you have it. We are going to start not smoking weed in front of our pets. Or leaving it unattended <laughs> on the coffee table. Thanks very much, uh, Dr. Armstrong. We will touch base with you on a later show. All right. And on that note, that uh, ends today's broadcast. I want to thank my co-host, Mr. B. Cola. Uh, we will continue uh, to uh, publish this on a weekly basis. And please, again, uh, like, share, or subscribe. And I just want to say one or two things here before I go. Uh, my wife is uh, a subscriber, but she also notified me uh, after last episode that the later dudes was not cool and I should stop doing it. Well, that's her opinion. So, later dudes.